Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Fred Fuck from long distance somehow gets it to go. We can't believe it. The hat and the glasses come off. Fred Funk with the birdie at 16. All right, welcome into Terps on the Tee with Chick and the Hawk, Fred Funk, uh, who was a busy man this past weekend. First time in tournament play, I believe, since the Kohler Garden February, six, right? Six weeks, I think. So six weeks six of weeks non-competitive off. golf. Um, and it showed. It showed. That <laughs> was not very competitive. P44 at the Chubb Classic. You weren't very competitive. but so So tell me, for a guy who's been playing the game of golf, all his life. How are the first tee jitters? Do they come back after six weeks off? What is that like? You know, uh, yeah, you're always a little nervous on one. Uh, on the first day, I was feeling pretty comfortable with my swing, but I was just kind of poofing my driver more so than I normally poof it. It was like mm. a double poof. Oh, okay. And, poof. and being my nickname is, you know, Freddie's Boom Boom and I'm Poof Puff. So uh, <laughs> and that's a true story. But uh, I went out. Uh, that afternoon after the second round on another golf course and I was just hitting a bunch of balls on a tee and I thought I figured it out. I was trying to just come up with a swing thought that would be more, uh, uh, more reactive and, and less thoughts. And uh, I actually created more thoughts and I was good on the range. I got on the first tee and it's amazing when it really means something. Yes. Everything changes. So I didn't, I hit a good drive on one, but uh, I literally hit a drive that i didn't completely miss, but I, and it was downwind and I just literally puffed it. It went about 210 yards <laughs> and it was, I outdrove myself the next day by 75 yards. Holy moly. Uh, on that same hole with, with a crosswind instead of a downwind. But, uh, I went back to my old, old swing thought that I had growing up and, uh, used most of my career, uh, the rest of that or that whole day and on the third day. And I drove the ball really good. I actually hit my irons really good. I think I hit, uh, I hit all nine greens on the front. I missed four on the back and shot, Jeez. uh, what I shoot 39 on that side and, um, just made a mess of it around the greens. But, uh, it's amazing when you are trying to play conscious golf, conscious swing, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't work in competition. Work. No. And, and then I was very conscious with my chipping. I, Usually I'm a pretty good chipper. I'm actually a really good chipper normally, and I was awful. And my putting was just uh, – I either made a lot or I missed a lot. But actually a lot of guys were missing a lot of putts. The greens were fast, and they were really difficult to read. So I think a lot of people were misreading greens and misjudging speeds because they were, they were really tricky greens. No shocker here. I've missed again the buried the lead. Uh, coming up on the show in mere moments will be Larry Mize, who won the – Masters back in 1987 with that incredible shot. We'll rank those shots. There's a couple of shots there that are legendary at Augusta, and we'll see what Larry thinks were his lies as he won in a playoff. We'll get into that in a minute. So Larry Mize is going to be on the show. Uh, back to what you said, and because it's Fred Funk, Chick Hernandez, the pro and the amateur, I have an uncanny ability to be on the range and have those thoughts in my head and what works, what doesn't work. You got to do this. You got to do this. And I get to the first tee, I tee it up and I stand back and go, now what in the hell did I just tell myself literally to the point now where I just put it in my notes in my phone and yeah, right before I get that. to the tee box, I just look at the notes and go, all right, there's your reminder, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you played in a professional event. I played in an amateur event and I lost my drive. It was just, it's insane. 
I pull the club back and go, I have no idea where this is going. I'm going to either hit it really exactly. hard on my line or I'm going to hit it way left. I'm going to lefty. I'm going to slice the hell out of it, which I don't slice normally. I was awful. And you put yourself in positions that, you know, we played in this event, this one day stroke play here at Argyle Country Club. And uh, I was four strokes out of third place, five out of second place. Uh, and I know I gave away at least eight shots on just stupidity. And I'm like, and I went back and started looking at the round of my head and went, I got more pissed at myself afterwards going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. How often do you go to the range the night before and you're figuring something out, especially you're getting mm -hmm. ready for a tournament round and you say, I got it. Uh, guy. And then you get to the range the next day or the first tee and you just go, I don't have it. I don't have it. I, and I've been playing it. golf 54 years and we're still trying to figure yeah. it out. It's, it's crazy. I'll say I but, got it. And my wife will look at me and go, oh, you got it now. You got it. And I explained <laughs> I explained to her how the round went the other day. And she just said on the phone as she was driving somewhere else. Um, why don't you just hit it straighter? And at that point, I wanted to reach through the phone and just put my hand on her larynx and squeeze tightly. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, I was like, that was my caddy because I had a friend of mine caddy for the first time in caddy. Really? And ever in anything. And he's a great guy, but I've three putted the second or third hole. And, and he says, ah, you'll get it back. And I, oh, just went, I know that pisses you off. Oh, it pisses at me. Oh, so bad. And I just go, you know, that is one of the worst sayings, if not the worst saying in all of golf. And he goes, what I do you mean? That, go, it's yep. gone. It's a wasted shot. You'll never get it back unless you win the tournament. That's the we only time it doesn't really matter. So yeah, that just we, irritates we the hell out of this. me. When, yep. uh, when you guys played at Trump national a couple of years ago and us manor boys were out there and John Oley, our mutual friend was watching you. And I forgot what you did on. It was the 10th hole. I was playing um, awful that week. Yeah. Right? I remember. Yeah. I was playing. And, awful that and week. we all started to walk one way away from you because we could see it in your face. Like let's not even interact. And John started to walk in your direction. And we told him, dude, no. And he's like, he put his hand up like, that's okay. And he walked like 10 yards behind you. Finally, at some point during that walk, he said, don't worry, man, you get it back. And you just turned and wheeled on him and said, what are you talking about? You never get that back. And when John came back to us, he realized he had made a mistake. We're like, yeah, dude, guy's playing a pro <laughs> event. Let's just not talk to him. I know we liked him a lot, but let's not talk to him right now. He's got steam coming out of his ears. Yeah. I'm not like that that often, but that was a, one of those weeks I was – really conscious golf. I was, I could right. not figure it out. I, I couldn't hit it solid. And that's kind of rule one. You got to hit it solid. And then from there you can figure out direction and everything else. If you're trying to figure out direction and yeah. trajectory control and everything else, no. but you're not hitting it solid, it's a waste of time. And it just becomes more effort. You said something. So you went to another course before your round, the second round, the hit balls. Uh, yeah. I was staying at the quarry where we used okay. to play. Yeah, actually totally different conditions, but I was just working on a swing thought. Yeah. And then I went back uh, after that. I just said, I got to go back to my swing thought that I learned um, from a one book I read. It was my Bible growing up was the one move to better golf by Terp Carl Lorne. Yeah. And uh, and that was always my self-taught, self-teaching book. And uh, it was basically using the trunk of the body, not the arms, not the hands, uh, basically the shoulders. And I used used my left shoulder is my guide and in my mind the transition thought well, i didn't care where i went going back and whatever but it was left shoulder up in reality it was going around right but in my mind it was up which dropped the club straight down and into the slot and i just tried to turn as hard as i could the problem with that i never de developed any lag 
So that's why I never really hit it far. I was always, you know, I was never tall or anything, but I was strong and I worked really hard on being strong. I actually had my flexibility up pretty good during my heyday. And, uh, I just never had lag. So it was just, I couldn't turn my body, but so fast <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and never got the speed that I really wish I had. Uh, for those, uh, folks who were wondering, uh, our guest has arrived. Uh, he is certainly an old friend of Fred Funk's and an old acquaintance of mine back in my days at when I worked at WRDW TV in Augusta, Georgia, Larry Mize. Uh, joins us now, uh, fresh from fishing this morning, I'm assuming. Uh, Larry, how are you, man? Good, great to see you. It's great to see y'all. Very good. Actually, fresh from turkey hunting this morning. Oh, turkey hunting. Oh, sweet. And, Did uh, you get one? Uh, no, we didn't, but I tell you, it was so much fun. I've never heard one hammer back that much. If he gobbled once, he gobbled 50 times. I mean, it, <laughs> it was an audio show. I mean, we had we had, you know, because you can do an owl call and they'll hammer back. We had two owls in the trees above us hammering all morning. And the owl was just, the, the, the turkey was just hammering back. And I mean, we just were at the wrong spot. He flew down in the field. We were hoping he was going to fly down the flat. He flew down the hill field and we saw him later. He had three hens with him. So there was no chance we were going to get him. But it was so much fun to hear him talking. He hammered in the tree, like I said, 50 times. And once he got on the ground, he had his hens. He didn't say a word. So we saw him, but we didn't get anything. We'll try again Thursday morning. Was that on the property you own there? No, that was on a friend of mine's property. Uh, we wanted to go there because the guys I went with had heard some turkeys there the other day. Uh, and so we didn't hunt on mine. We did on this one. And it was it was nice. I've never been to this property of a friend of mine. It was uh, fun to go there. And then we, we did fish a few uh, uh, through a little bit. We had time to fish for about 15 minutes. And I hooked this... Uh, about a six or seven pounder, really nice fish. And I got him up and the guy was going to grab him for me. And he threw the hook right at the end. The guy felt so bad. I said, you didn't do anything. Uh, didn't quite get the hook set enough, but we had a fun morning. Have you ever, uh, you, have you, have you ever fished in your green jacket? I've never fished in my green jacket. No. <laughs> you know, bringing that up, I see that picture behind you. And actually when Chick was giving the intro to you, uh, for you and mentioning the 87 and immediately i thought nicholas gave you the jacket yeah so that had to be pretty cool so i, I really want you to if you don't mind reliving not only growing up in in columbus and being so close to augusta and then where that's evolved into being a past champion of the augusta and being part of the lore of augusta and and uh everything that went in uh just just in your mind when all that came together well, it's just amazing, Fred. I mean, and you know, I grew up in Augusta. So, I mean, growing up in Augusta, Georgia with the tournament there and, you know, going to the tournament when I was a kid, tickets were a lot easier to come by back in the, in the 60s. And my dad was able to get them. And, and uh, then I started working out there on the school board on number three when I was 13 wow. years old. You had to be a teenager to work out there. So, working on that school board for a couple of years before we moved to Columbus. And uh, just uh, being out, being able to go out there was just so much fun. And then came back my senior year, was in Augusta again, and went out to the tournament and, uh, you know, got to see it again in, in person. And just, it was so special. You know, I, I always dreamed of playing in that tournament. And uh, then when I got on tour and then won the Danny Thomas Memphis Classic in 83, of course, one of my first thoughts was I get to play in the Masters next year. And so <laughs> that was uh, very special. And you know, then I got it in 80, 84 and, you know, played good, tied for 11th, which got me back in 85. 
and I was able to get, continue to get back every year till 87. So I, in my fourth year, I was, you know, came in there playing good, but you know, I don't know how you are, Fred. You never, you always believe you can win. I never expected to win. You know, expectations are something I think you need to keep at a, at a good level. Expectations too high can really just frustrate you. Your temper gets, uh, gets the best of you. So, uh, but I came in there playing good and sure enough, I won the thing. And, and then just, you know, to, to beat such two great players like Seve and Greg Norman was such a thrill to beat them in a playoff. And then to have Jack Nicholas put the jacket on me was, I mean, was the icing on the cake. I mean, it doesn't get any better. He was my favorite player growing up. He was the one I always watched when I went to the Masters. And so it was just a, uh, I guess, really a storybook week for me to uh, play there. I mean, I just, I was thrilled to get to play in the tournament period and then to win it and get to go back. And now I've played 38 straight Masters. It's hard to believe. That that's, is hard to believe. Go ahead, Chick. I was going to say, I think that's what people forget about the playoff is you know, everybody says, well, Larry Mize chipped in to beat Greg Norman. You're standing on the 10th tee with Greg Norman and Seve. I mean, a Seve, Norman, Mize. You don't fit in that picture during that time. Yeah, I don't know why they thought they had a chance playing against me. You know, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you said two things earlier, actually about four things earlier, but one was uh, you don't know about my expectations when I went to Augusta. I didn't have any when I went there. I was spooked by that place. I love being there. Uh, the greens intimidated the heck out of me, and, and uh, I always thought, the most important thing there was uh, distance control with your iron. So you were on the same level the pin was on and at least gave you a shot at making a putt instead of being on defense. But uh, I never seemed to have it all together. My best finish was 12th. Uh, I only made four cuts, I think, out of 12. But uh, the year Tiger won by 12, 15, whatever he won by that year. Uh, I think Kite was second, and I was a distant 20-some shots behind Tiger. Uh, at 12th place. It was ridiculous, the blowout that he did there. And uh, then the other, you mentioned temper. I didn't think you had one. I know I have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, we all have <laughs> and, and then uh, you mentioned, you know, going up against uh, Greg Norman. For me, uh, when I won the U.S. Senior Open, I had Norman on Saturday and Sunday, and all the headlines were Greg this, Greg that, Greg this. And and uh, when I beat him, that made that victory feel that much better, just beating Greg. Nothing against Greg. It was just all the <laughs> hype that came with Greg and uh, er all the expectations. And everybody else was second fiddle to Greg um, uh, back in the day. And then uh, you're mentioning the highlight. So this is the fourth point, the highlight with uh, Jack Nicklaus. And, and obviously, 86 was the iconic year. It was just ridiculous everybody rem remembers that round and it was so exciting to watch jack do what he did but to have him put the jacket on is is incredible that had to be such a special moment and for me the highlight of my golf career and i told chick this either a week or two ago and he didn't know it uh this story but the most favorite thing that's ever happened to me in golf and it's even above individual accomplishments was playing with Jack and Arnie in 97 practice round at Augusta on Wednesday. Uh, it just doesn't get better than that. And, you know, it, Augusta just has a certain, or the masters has a certain feel. It's the best major, I believe, uh, to be a part of, uh, all of them had their little different things, but the master being the same venue all the time. And it's such a great place. And, and just all the memories are there and, and everything that goes with it. It's, it's so much fun to be there and be a part of it. And, uh, 
the one thing that's never stopped. I think the minute you win a tournament, you know you're going to Augusta. And everybody just remembers, I'm going to Augusta. It, uh, it's, it's, it trumps the win that you just had because you know you're going to Augusta. <laughs> yeah, you kind of hate to say that, but I mean, it, it, there is some truth to that. But what I wanted to say, one point you made up, I think that what you meant to say is we were all second fiddle to you at Crooked Stick at the U.S. Senior Open is what you meant to say. Because you were 20 under and you blew us all out of the water. I think it was 20 under or 20-something. It was, yes, the all-time USGA 72-hole yeah. record. Nobody wants to mention that, though, but me. I, hey, I just did. But <laughs> Larry did. You, you, you played phenomenal that weekend on a, on a tough golf course. You just uh, you killed us all. It was great playing. I'll never forget. Yeah, that, that was a special week. Uh, I enjoyed that one, obviously. Larry, Chick, can what you, you go anywhere in this world and not have someone say and want to talk about the 140-foot chip? On 11 is there any place you can go that that's not a this topic of discussion yeah i mean it doesn't come up all the time i mean it comes up you know a fair amount and and you know it, obviously it's a good people always say do you mind talking about it i go no i mean it's a, it's a <laughs> so i don't mind talking about it but yeah i mean it doesn't uh you know normally pro-ams it always comes up and things like that but uh you know it sure sometimes it doesn't come up but it's a uh it comes up a fair amount and uh I'm very fortunate to be able to, to talk about that. It was, you know, like I said, it's just a very special week for me. And uh, I don't know. I've, I've been blessed in many ways, and that was definitely a blessing to win there. Who had Larry, I got an, Go ahead. I got, I, I got an off-the-wall question, uh, Larry, a little bit, and it re involves Seve. So your short game is phenomenal, and obviously Seve's name or game and his short game notoriety that came with it was amazing. But how often did you play with Seve and did you witness uh, that great stuff that he had around the greens? Yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I didn't play with him a lot. Uh, I played with him some, and you're right. He's a magician around the greens. He, he is amazing with his imagination and his touch and feel. Um, you know, uh, Hal Sutton and I played against uh, Seve and Jose Maria Olababo at the Ryder Cup in 87 on Saturday afternoon. And, I mean, both of those guys, Jose, too, has a phenomenal short game. And to witness that, I mean, one of my favorite moments of that match was we're on the 16th hole at Muirfield Village and uh, we're winning the match a little bit. And Hal's, you know, pins back left on that 16th hole, that par three with the old green, not the way it is now. And Hal's hit it in there about six or eight feet. You know, Hal put a great ball striker and I'm out of the hole. And I think Jose's out of the hole, I think. And so Seve's got this chip for par. And Hal saying, I hope he makes it because I'm going to make it on top of it. Sure. <laughs> sure enough, said for par, you know, and then and then Hal knocks it in and gives him the fist, you know, yeah, you know, does that. So it, <laughs> it was very special. But his short game, uh, I tell you, the, the best, I think the most phenomenal part of it I saw was the only time I did TV, I did Sky Sports at the 95 Ryder Cup at Oak Hill. And he's playing Tom Lehman in the singles match there on Sunday. And I'm walking around with Ken Brown and we're doing it together. And, you know, uh, Tom Lehman, you know, just a great ball striker. He is down the middle on the green, just playing flawless, but not really making any putts, but playing flawless. And Sebi is all over the place. I'll never forget. He's on one hole and I'm thinking he's got to pitch it out. And Ken said, well, Larry, I think he's going over the trees. I'm thinking he's got to hit a hot, he's got to hit like a six iron, you know, hundred feet in the air over trees and draw You know how hard it is to hit a high draw. Well, Seve hits his high draw over the trees on the green. So his making was incredible, his short game. And, I mean, 
his short game and kept him in the match. And Tom Lehman closed him out on 16, I think. But, you know, anybody else, Tom would have probably closed out on 12, the way Seve was struggling with him. But the way he could scramble was phenomenal. It was, it was fun to watch. Uh, what did you serve in the champ- your champion's dinner? You know, I had steak. Uh, I had steak and potatoes and green beans. I'm, I'm kind of a meat and potatoes guy. And, you know, I didn't know. I thought they had to eat my de- I thought they had to eat my meal. I didn't realize they could have something special, you know, if they had a special diet. And uh, Oh, really? Yeah, you, you could have something different. I mean, the menus used to have at the bottom that would say you could order a chicken, a steak, or a fish if you need to. It doesn't say that anymore, so I think you may have to say something in advance. But mm-hmm. the next year, the year that Sandy won and hosted it, I was very happy of that because I did not want to have the haggis, and I didn't. <laughs> you're, the, you're the second person who yeah. said that. Bernhard Longer last week mentioned it, too. Yeah, that's the one meal, the cha- only champion's meal I did not have is the haggis. I couldn't, couldn't do it. So, uh, but, uh, so I had the, you know, steak and potatoes and green beans, and I had peach cobbler, you know, kind of peach for being from Georgia for the dessert. So, uh, you know, it was just a, it's such a fun night, and uh, I, really, uh, I really enjoy that night. Larry, who holds court the most over the years? Was it Sam Snead back in the day or uh, Gary or Jack, you know, Arnie? That's a good question. Sam, Sam was good. Um, but, uh, you know, Jack is pretty – Jack is there if you want him, but he, he's not really holding court. I mean, if people ask him questions, but Jack is very, you know, very even keel and everything. Um, Arnold was kind of the same way. Uh, I tell you – one that I, he doesn't, he, he's 98 years old, Jackie Burke. Unfortunately, he doesn't come. Oh. Jackie could hold court. Jackie was, he was so entertaining. I'll never forget this one story. Sam Sneed's there. I mean, I've been so lucky to be there with all these great people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, every, you know, everybody's talking about how you got to move off the ball and all this stuff. And Jackie Burke is only, he says, says Sam, did you hear all these teachers say you got to move off the ball? You ever, you believe that? You think an 18 wheeler, that 18 wheeler moved over, it tip over. You got to keep your head on that. Oh, good turn. You got to keep your head on that thing, make the turn. It was just great. Jackie is so good. Um, I wish I'd have somewhere in my career gotten a lesson from him and gotten to be with him more because he is, uh, I think he's very knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, especially I think putting wise, I think he's very good. But the whole game, he's just got such great wisdom. But it's fun to, always fun to hear uh, Jackie talk. I, I know that uh, Tiger wasn't there this year, um, and I think they made a point of having an empty chair. Did he? I, know, I think he sent you guys a message. Uh, just what was that 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 night like, and not having uh, Mr. Woods there? Yeah, you know, we we hate it when anybody's not there. We didn't have Tiger, and we didn't have uh, uh, Angel Cabrera, and Tom Watson, and Jackie Burke. So we were sorry they weren't there. And obviously, we 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 we, we hoped them all the best and praying for Tiger to get better. Um, so, you know, we hated them out being there. He did send uh, Crenshaw a text, and I got to say, Crenshaw does a phenomenal job handling the dinner, being the master of ceremony there. He is phenomenal. I mean, Mr. Nelson did a great job before, and Ben just does a super job. But he sent a message just saying he thanked all our prayers, thanked for, for, for his, all the texts and notes he's gotten from everybody. Sorry he's not there. Wished everybody luck. So it was very special, and he said, I'm, I'm home, healing up. And uh, it was real, real nice for him to send the message to us. That's that's a special night. I guarantee that's got to be every year. Uh, so many memories come. But probably you every now and then think of one and just say, golly, why didn't I think of that one and tell that story? But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's really a special tournament. So right now, what do you think of Stuart Sink? I tell you, as you know, Stuart is a phenomenal guy. I mean, he's a great player, but he's a great, great guy. And uh, 
to see him do that with his son on the bag and a the family there, yeah. I just think it was very special. And I know one thing, the play he did, I mean, of course, the first two days were phenomenal with a pair of 63s. But then what people don't realize is to continue to hang in there and play well the next two days, it's hard to follow up those two rounds. And what he did on the weekend is equally as impressive as what he did the first two days to win at that golf course. And I don't know about you. I don't know how that golf course isn't in everybody's top five. I think it's one of the best golf courses we play all year. And uh, I just, uh, I, I love it. You know, it, it stands the test because it's still not that long, but it still holds up these players. And so, uh, but I was really happy for Stewart. He's just a great guy. And uh, it's good for golf to have people like Stewart St. winning. He's won it three times at the RBC Heritage. Uh, and his 15 starts, last 15 starts for Stewart Sink at 47 years old. He's got two wins, three top 10s, seven top 25s. Uh, and he's longer off the tee now. So yippee for us who don't hit the ball very well. Yeah. Well, and, you know, <laughs> I, played with Stuart, I played with Stewart at Augusta the first two days just a few years ago, and he still is long off the tee, still hits it good, and uh, still very impressive. So it's uh, – it's good to see. I mean, that, that just shows that uh, I know people, sometimes people think we need to lower this 50 age. We don't need to lower anything. Those guys in the late forties can still play and the uh, 50 is a perfect age for the champions tour. So uh, we'll look forward to him coming in a few years, but uh, he needs to stay there. He doesn't need to come out. And <laughs> I agree with that, Larry, because when they been trying to do this long before I was even getting on the champions tour or both of us were getting on, uh, they kept saying, well, why don't we go just grandfather it in? We go 49, 48 until we get down to 45. And I was like totally adamant against that. Uh, all the guys that waited to be 50 and got to be 50, they waited. And, uh, you know, in my heyday, when I was playing my best golf, I was around 50 years old. And I just kept working at it hard. So people say, I can't compete when I'm 45. Well, so that's your problem. Then figure it out or wait till you're 50, but not lower the age or make it easier for him to get out. I was going to say, uh, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week with Bernhard, but I always felt that the years I was in Hilton Head after I was playing at Augusta, that it was a breath of fresh air. You went there and you decompressed it at uh, Hilton Head with all the atmosphere, the laid back, beautiful, fantastic golf course. Uh, I agree with you. It's top five on my list. It's, it's really a special place. Um, but it seemed like it was a week that you just started off and you, you felt at ease. You didn't have the pressure of Augusta. Uh, the greens were much more puttable. Uh, actually, they're pretty flat there. So uh, everything was a little bit easier other than controlling your golf ball at the tee. You had to make sure you were in play. And then if you got in contention, then all of a sudden, you know, the weekend's a little bit different. But uh, did you feel that way when you went to Hilton Head after Augusta? Completely agree with you. you. You're spot on. I mean, it was such a nice, relaxing week after Augusta. Not to say Augusta's not great, but Augusta's intense, and you love it. But, I mean, it was so nice to drive to Hilton Head. You know, most years I had the family with me. We'd even put the bikes on the back of the Suburban, and we'd ride bikes that week. And, you know, you could be aggressive on those greens after Augusta and really give those birdie putts a go. So it was just a great time to play Hilton Head. It's a great time to play it anywhere, anytime. But the week after Augusta, it was. It was just a nice, uh, nice change from Augusta and a nice, relaxing family atmosphere. And I, I, I loved it. I really did. And uh, but I have to, I have to speak. Speaking of playing late in your forties, of course, you won the Players Championship when you were forty-eight or forty-nine, didn't you? Forty-eight, yeah. Forty-eight, which was yeah. a phenomenal win. And uh, and you know, I tell these guys, if you're not playing well, hey, go enjoy your family. 
take a few years off and be with your family. Enjoy yourself. I mean, it, it, come on. And, uh, you know, 50 will be here. And it's a great age. When you're 48, you can play the Corn Ferry Tour if you want to get some golf in. But uh, don't be in a hurry to get the Champions Tour. It'll be there when you get there. Don't They don't need to do anything to that. Speaking of family, uh, when Fred said, hey, uh, I want to get Larry Mize, I said, oh, we actually have a little connection because I used to work in Augusta. So I'll tell the story that in 1993, the Augusta Chronicle says Larry Mize, Masters champ, uh, is set to miss the Masters. His wife, Bonnie, is pregnant. So I'm like, well, I think this might be pre-cell phones. I'm like, all right, how do I get the Mize? How do I get the Mize? So I find a way. I call you up. And Fred, he agrees. I'm going to drive to Columbus. And sit down with Larry Myers a few weeks before the tournament. Actually, it was the the week up, uh, just the week before the tournament, uh, just to discuss Larry missing this tournament because his wife is pregnant. And so I got this great piece, nice sit down interview with him. It's awesome. I meet Bonnie. She's sitting there, you know, fully on pregnant. I'm like, okay, cool. I get in the car, I go home, and it's that night. I get a call, I think, from you, Larry. Uh, well, I'm coming to the Masters. I'm like what? Yeah, uh, about 10 minutes after you left, my wife went into labor, and there we have it. We've got a brand-new baby boy. His name is Robert, and we'll, we'll see you next week. And I'm like, what just happened here? It was amazing. And you played pretty well that week, as I recall. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I know I played good the first day. I think I was tied for the lead after the first day, and I, I probably was all downhill from there. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right. Y'all came over. She went into labor, and because I wasn't going to miss his birth. I wanted to be there for it, and. Even after he was born, I said, honey, I can still stay here and help you. And she mm-hmm. said, no, you go. You can't help me do anything here. I got out of control. So as Fred will tell you, I got a great wife. And she just said, go ahead and play. And uh, so I, I went and played. And uh, But you're right. Y'all came over. And actually, my dad was there. I don't know if you remember seeing my dad. He was there. And, mm-hmm. you know, she went into labor that night. We had Robert and worked out for me to play. So it was, uh, you know, very special. Both you know, you guys, a, oh, go ahead. Both of you guys have sons who play golf. Um, and what, what, I know that Taylor wants to make it to the tour. Is Robert still playing? No, Robert, Robert, he, uh, he got his, he got status on the Latin America tour. And that was kind of the sign. We went down to Argentina. Matter of fact, Taylor was down there. Taylor and Sharon were down there. And that was this where he said, you know, I don't think I want to do this The travel. He didn't like the travel because you got to really embrace that. And that's, that, that's a big part of it. It's just not right for everybody. So that was when he kind of decided, I'm not going to do this. So he's, a uh, you know, in Augusta, married, working at uh, Queensbury Bank and uh, doing really well. Nice. You know, we could do a story or a, uh, quite a few episodes on the relationships on the tour and how important to have a good, compatible relationship with your wife and your family because it's so difficult. Uh, you know, my wife chose to homeschool the kids and they were with me 95% of the time, but it's very difficult on the road. Uh, you know, it's hard enough if you're a club pro and you're at the golf course 80 hours a week at the, at a club, but we're gone weeks at a time. And, uh, it's, it's so hard on a marriage. So when Larry said he has a great wife, Bonnie, she's phenomenal. She's been caddying for him actually some last year. You're not caddying anymore? She caddies only for, one time? She ca- Hawaii this year. She caddied there. That's the only- Oh, that's right. It was Hawaii. Yeah. Right. And and that Good I trip. thought that was that was great. It, it was by far the best uh you know, some of the guys have good hair, but Bonnie's hair is phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> she should never wear a hat. And uh, it, it was funny. She was out there, and and, and I, was, I remember seeing her carrying a bag, and, and I forgot that was the only one. But I said, wow, got the first team in here after all these years. 
<laughs> yeah, she did a great job, I tell you. And I, poor thing, I put her in nine bunkers that first round. I felt so bad. <laughs> poor thing, just raking bunkers left and right. I, between the fairway bunkers and greenside bunkers, we <laughs> nine of them. And the next day, it's funny, the next day I'm out there, I'm thinking, okay, I didn't miss that one. I missed that one. And I'm on the 16th hole. I hadn't put you in any. She said, would you focus on your game? I said, I am. <laughs> just don't put you in bunkers. So we had a great time. She did a great job, and it was a lot of fun to have her out there with me. You know, most guys that have their... Darren's done it for you a a number of times, obviously, yeah. Yeah, there's a story. uh, There was two tournaments. She dropped the bag on me because of my (laughs) attitude and and left. So that's a whole different story. We we, we don't want to go there, Fred. We'll leave that one out. No, we don't want to (laughs) go. She really We already did. (laughs) Yeah, we already did on one show. It uh, It was hilarious. But most guys that have their wives caddy, especially for the first time, they'll break the bunker for them, Larry, so... Wow. What was your problem? But you know, she wanted to do it, and when she wants to do something, I know to get out of her way and let her do it. She, she's mm. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> um, back to uh, eighty-seven for a second. So, what's your relationship like with uh, Greg Norman now? And was there any awkwardness the next time you saw him in a tournament? No, not really. I mean, you know, people say, how do you and Greg? Greg and I are fine. I mean, it, there's nothing personal there. I mean, whether I'm playing sure. Greg or I'm playing Fred Funk, you know, we're trying to beat each other. There's nothing personal in it. Um, so, uh, matter of fact, the next week at Hilton Head after I won, I just went up to him in the locker room and said, hey, I thought you handled everything great. I mean, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough situation for him. And he'd, he'd lost a few before and, uh, you know, lost a Tway, the previous major in 86 at the PGA. And I thought he handled it well. So, Greg and I have always gotten along fine. And there's been no awkwardness with, with me, and I don't think it has been with him. I mean, Greg's a great player. He's had a, he's had a phenomenal career. Um, so uh, we're, we're fine. I think this, the, the people come up with that in their head. Sure. Well, that's a, that was a revenge win, though. You lost to Norman in a six-man playoff yeah. at Congressional at the Kemper Open yeah, six, earlier. We had a six-hole playoff. It was a great playoff, and it was. But no, it wasn't revenge. <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say if I had to pick one to win, I picked the right one to win between the two. There's no doubt. But, Agreed. No, there's no Agreed. I mean, you know, I'm just, you know, I felt really good going to the playoff. I played well. I birdied the last hole in regulation, which gave, you know, obviously it's a big deal. It gives you a lot of confidence going in that you could do that. So um, I just, uh, you know, Kemper wasn't on my mind at all. I mean, obviously I've been in a playoff with Greg before, so that was, sure. there was some familiarity there. But uh, no, I'm just, uh, you know, Fred will tell you, you're just you're so focused on hitting the shot and trying to win that golf tournament. Nothing else is on your mind. If there's something else on your mind, you're in a lot of trouble in that playoff. That's for sure. I was just listening to uh, uh, PGA Tour Radio coming back from uh, downtown earlier today, and Michael Breed was on. They were going over this. I don't know how long they were talking about. It. I picked up the last five or ten minutes of it about the arm anchoring or oh, you know the arm boy. bar for putting. Yeah. And they were going off on that. It's not anchoring, it's bracing. And I went, what? Like, what's the difference? It's, it's anchoring against your body or part of your body. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard some discussion recently, more recently than ever, that that is truly anchoring if there ever was anchoring and that they should ban that as well. And, uh, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I, to me, I thought they should have just, if they were going to go down that road, uh, just have a putter be no longer than 37 or 8 inches, and that kind of takes care of Do whatever you want from 37 or 38 inches. And that, 
takes away the broom. It takes care of the anchoring of the arm bar or whatever. But uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, everybody has an alternative. You know, they're arguing that everybody has an alternative grip. They're, they said the only guy that hasn't changed a putter or his grip among the top putters on the PJ Tour right now is Patrick Reed. He's number one right now. Conventional putter or putting grip and his old putter that he's had forever. Everybody else has the claw or cross hand or whatever. You know, look at Miguel, look at BJ. They have something different all the time. Uh, <laughs> I've gone to the claw. Um, I think it's a great way to, to putt if you got a little shitter, uh, jitters in the uh, – well, the, the other one, the shitters yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> you get the jitters. <laughs> yeah, that happens too. I could be sponsored by Depends for Pete's sake. But oh, anyway. my God. <laughs> but anyway, I, 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 to get back on what I was talking about, what do you think about the anchoring of the arm bar? <laughs> 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 anchored it against your left arm yeah 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 the coocher you know i've heard people say that that's really is anchoring it and, and maybe it is but i mean like you said you know they're doing that for a reason because they haven't been putting good i mean you know look at the best putter out there he's doing it normal so you know i was kind of one that was against anchoring and i thought it should be outlawed but then i kind of turned around years back and finally said you know for the good of the game leave it alone and then they make this rule that, in my opinion, is unenforceable. It, it's a, it is. a horrible rule. The USGA does a lot of great things, but I'm sorry. This is a horrible rule. You can't enforce it when the guy's got a shirt on. You can't tell if he's anchoring. And then they put the word intent in there, which really makes it hard. So right. the whole thing's a mess. And so I just say, you know what? Whatever. I, I, I just don't even go there because what are you going to do? You can't enforce the rule. You can't police the rule. Officials have their hands tied. They can't say the guy's anchoring unless we start playing without our shirts and you put a dollar bill in there and see if it's touching his chest and that's not going to happen. So it's a, uh, it's a mess, but probably some of it is anchoring, but until the USGA comes up with a different rule, I don't know what, I don't know what you can do about it. Yeah. Were you in that pack meeting when Bernhardt stood up? Cause it, part of the thing was the anchoring was on the agenda. This was about two or three years ago. And I remember we were at Des Moines and he, Finally, we get to this subject. I'd like, I can't wait till we get to this thing. And uh, so we said, all right, the next subject is uh, is anchoring, and Bernhard's going to take the court. So Bernhard stands up at the end of the table, and he just says, guys, you know, I just got to explain something to you guys that, uh, you know, every week I'm on TV. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I'm in contention. I'm on TV a lot. I get accused of anchoring, or somebody says you shouldn't be able to do that or do this. I'm telling you what, I'm not anchoring. I've worked my butt off to get good at this. It's not easy to do. And if you want me to not wear a shirt, I'll not wear a shirt to prove I'm not anchored. And I just put my hand up and I went, well, you're about the only guy on the champions tour that could actually get away with not wearing a shirt and everybody be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're right about that. He's, he's kept himself in great shape, but you know, the thing is, you know, as you know, Bernhardt has way too much integrity to be anything wrong. And I don't think he's anchoring. You know, you look at it, the thing does move a little bit. But, you know, all it has to be is just a smidgen off your chest. You know, once again, it gets mm -hmm. cruel. But uh, uh, Bernhardt, he has. He has worked as hard as anybody. And uh, he's had so many putting struggles over the year, years. And it's amazing how he's just overcome them. And really, as you know, he's one of the best putters out there. But it's, the reason is because he works very hard on putting. You see him every, every week. He's on that putting green with Terry, and they're working on that putting every single week. Yeah, I think a couple of years ago he won by uh, wins the FedEx or the 
uh, Schwab Cup every year about, but or he's in contention every year for sure. And uh, one year he was leading greens and reg and putting, and that's kind of game set match. If you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, how's that? I'm leading greens and reg, leading, leading putting. Yeah, good luck, guys. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, I'm going to ask you five questions in a second. Uh, five quick questions, but I want. Both of your guys take, if you saw Siwoo Kim this past weekend at all, you mentioned Matt Kuchar. Kuchar was playing with Siwoo, putts up just to the lip of the hole, and they both are sitting there. And now it took a minute for that ball to drop in, but they were watching it continually move towards the bottom of the cup. It just took a long time to get there. And it drops in, and Siwoo thinks he's got birdie. Kuchar thinks he's got birdie. And then they come back and say, that's nah, really a par. It says the officials because you can't. The 10-second rule, blah, blah, blah. And Kuchar can be heard on tape saying, but the ball was still moving and it's illegal to hit a moving ball. So what are you saying? And they say, well, it's, that's not the intent of the rule, blah, blah, blah. What do you guys stand on something like that? I, I would agree. I, I mean, I'm sorry. If it takes a minute, if that ball is that close and it's moving, it's going to fall in in less than a minute. And I'm not saying anything against them, but I think mm -hmm. the rule is you cannot wait that long. If, if that ball, you know, I, I I agree with what the officials did, Fred. I'm with you there. I, I it doesn't take long to move a dimple, <laughs> not a minute. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but my, all right. I don't think my eyes are that good to see that ball roll, rolling anymore. It ain't moving anymore. <laughs> right, before, before I let Larry go, anything else, Fred? For Larry, I got five questions uh, for him. Uh, no, you got five. Fire I got them. five. All right, all here right. we go. All right, Larry Mize, 1987 Masters champion. Highest score you ever got in competition on a hole? Oh, gosh. Nine. Nine? I think. I'm not a good question. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've reached double digits. I'm going to go with nine. I'm not sure. It's a good uh, question. I've never had that question okay. before. Oh, but you, so, so no, no hole actually burned Wait, a, I mean, a Google, scar into your heart. Google it when we get done to see what I come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that I, ahead of time. I beat him by three. You had a 12. <laughs> on a par three. On a par three, you had a 12. Yes, where? sir. Where? where Seattle. Seattle at the Boeing tournament, playing with Tom Kite. And the final, second to last group in contention. And I hit that uh, – what hole is it? 13 Larry to one down the hill. Oh yeah. And they didn't mark the Canyon that year is usually a lateral. So uh, I hit it. I, I hit a five iron right in the middle of the green. It rolled over into the Canyon and I saw the ball. I had to go back to the tee. Couldn't play it. I bounced it off the side of the green into the Canyon re tee egged it in the bunker, blasted out into the Canyon, dropped in the bunker, egged into the Canyon Dropped again at egg, got it on the green, two putted. I walk off the green and I'm want to say to Kite, I have no idea what I, and as I go, I have, and he goes 12. I go, I just made 12. He goes 12. I went, Oh, geez. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Oh, that, that was a, that was a hard, I went from contention to, uh, I think I shot 82. Uh, it, into that. You sound okay. like me. Next He's question. Well, All right, next question. That's pretty good. Um, pretty good considering you had a 12 on a par three. That's pretty – 82 is pretty good. Yeah, I made five <laughs> on 17 after that. Oh. oh. <laughs> the um, other par three. Wow. The other par three. Wow. <laughs> you weren't playing those very well. You're better with a driver in your hand. Uh, Larry Mize, your opinion. Toughest shot in golf is? Uh, 
Silence. Third shot, Gold. 15 with the left end at Augusta. Okay. Yeah. You got a, you got a uh, 300 yard drive. <laughs> Impossible. That's well, if you get two drivers. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, Larry Mize, one rule in golf that you would change? Um, I would change out of bounds. I would, I would just, you would just play like a hazard up there. I th- totally agree. I think it's totally agree. that you can whiff a ball and be better off than hitting one out of bounds. Doesn't make any sense to me. I like yep. it. I like it. Greatest shot. I, I think we know the answer to this, but greatest shot you've ever hit in golf. That I ever hit in golf. Uh, well, it was uh, at putt putt back in 1974. No, it's just joking. Um, <laughs> no, it would be the, the, the pitch in at a, the pitch in at Augusta. Yeah, no question. I think that's for a lot of, by the way, what, what's, I'll ask Fred this. What was, uh, it's actually an unfair question. Um, the chip in by Mize or the hook wedge by Bubba as far as most incredible moments at the Masters? That's to, that's to Fred? Yeah, that's to Fred. Yeah, I can't ask Fred. Oh, that's to me. Uh, put me on the spot. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, I think Bubba's shot was unbelievable. The fact that you couldn't see the whole flight of the ball, you really saw it come out. Well, you didn't even see it come out. You saw it hit the green and spin dead to the right. Uh, had so much English on the ball. It was amazing. Uh, but you could see the whole circumstance with Larry. Um, you saw the reaction with Norman. I mean, it, it, I have to go with the total experience was Larry shot. Uh, but Bubba's was one of the most unbelievable shots I've ever seen. That was truly a trick shot. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, uh, Actually, two questions. Who had a higher vertical, you or Phil Mickelson? When oh, you gosh, not even close. Me. Yeah, you got up there. You got <laughs> up. You're a baller. You're a baller. You play basketball. You're a baller. You could get up. Yeah, you're right. You can fit a you can fit a credit card maybe under Phil's vertical there. Um, and finally, in a game that can uh, reward and humble you uh, in the time it takes to grab a club from the bag, why do you love this game? Well, I love the game because, you know, you look in the mirror and there you go. When you go out there, you play good, you play bad. It's just you. I mean, and, and I love the way we do it. You you get rewarded when you play good. You, you don't get paid when you play bad. It's the one. All the other sports are great. I'm not knocking them, but golf is so neat because everybody starts January. The, the beginning of the year, when, well, the wraparound year is different. Everybody starts at zero and you play good. Everything takes care of itself. Everybody starts the same thing. And, uh, it's just a great game, and uh, it's all you out there, and I love it. Awesome. Fred, anything else? No, that was just fantastic, Larry. Thanks so much on a spur to moment. I did get home, but it was uh, very early the next morning. Oh, I, I fell for you. That's no fun. You know, the, the glamorous life of travel, not fun. Yeah. No, that wasn't, wasn't fun. But uh, thanks so much for everything, Larry. You're an amazing person, one of my favorite people. And, uh, and you're, you're just so much fun to be out there. We got a great brotherhood out there and I just love being out there competing with you guys. I, I still want to beat you, but I just have so much more difficulty doing it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I just like you more now. Don't, don't be all, <laughs> don't be all. Well, Fred, Fred, you and chick and uh, Fred, 
as people know, you're a great guy, and I just really appreciate it. And it's always great to be with you. Thanks. Well, again, as a young as a young young reporter in Augusta, there are guys that as I've told Fred this many times that you remember how they treat you. You try to treat everybody with respect, and then how they treat you. And you're one of those guys. Another Augusta kid, Charlie Howell the third, one of those guys. Um, so again, it was great catching up with you. A little reunion here from many, 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 many moons ago. Um, but we look forward to watching you on the Champion Store and really appreciate your time. Well, Chip, great. It's great to see you and be with you again as well. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon, Larry. All right. Take care, Fred. I'm going to get to the story real quick here. And that is that back, I think, in 93, they have a media day. Now, you're in Augusta, Georgia. We're, again, lucky enough to play Augusta National once a year as the local media. But then, you know, you're also invited to go to other places and stuff. And so it's media day at Hilton Head. So me and my um, my director at WRDW, Ryan Ross, we go out to play the course. It's awesome. It's spectacular. It's quirky for us to a certain degree. I'm just like, where am I going? How am I? That looks short. That looks long, blah, blah, blah. We play. I think we actually placed in this media competition. If I'm not mistaken. We stayed around for dinner, and then we're headed home. Uh, back in the day, it was a basically a four-lane divided highway. Right, you got your two lanes either side and a median in the middle. So me and Brian are going down the road, and I swear to you, it had to be a quarter mile away. I see up ahead um, these car lights, and for a second, I'm like, kind of looks like it's on our side. Can't be, man. So I'm still talking with Ryan. We're talking, and I keep taking peeks, and I'm going, boy, that sure looks like that's on our side of the road. Can't be though. And so still talking, and then by the time I realize. It's just way too late. I look ahead of me and I see this car barreling down. I'm in the left lane. He's in our lane. I got a Mercedes in front of us. I got a uh, truck on my side. There's nowhere to go. And I can't slam the brakes on. Or I mean, Maybe I could have, but I would have been running to from behind. And I can't go in the median strip. So now it's, I just basically look at Ryan and go, hold on. And we have about seven seconds. And as we're trying to slow down, this car never stopped. It was a pickup truck. It never stopped. And it just came barreling through the Mercedes, crushing that and then hitting us. Now, mm. this is when you're supposed to have seatbelts on. I did not. In fact, as the crash happened, I tried to lean towards Ryan. And then we collided um, uh, his head to my jaw. And then, you know, you kind of come to, you're like, what the hell is going on? And you get out of the car. I got out of the car. Now, it's apparent to me uh, that the people in front of us are not surviving. They're mm. not going to survive. The car, that Mercedes is, is a toaster. And I'm like, Ryan, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And then about, you know, a minute later, I'm not okay. I'm just like in la-la land. And I sit down on the curb, and then the police come, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we go into the hospital. I go into the emergency room, and I'm sitting in there waiting when they wheel the two people who were in the truck that hit us come in two, two painters who'd been drinking a lot of beer after their shift. And I kind of recognized him from the accident scene. So I start going off. I'm telling the police, that's the dude. That's the dude. And I'm yelling at this guy who's on a gurney. Now I'm yelling. I can't believe you did this. I'm so ticked off and they're pulling me off. Um, and uh, we get done and I get out of there and I just talked to Ryan recently about it. Uh, we had to rent a car cause we had the company vehicle, by the way, that's not good. The mm -hmm. station vehicle, uh, that was crushed. 
and we rented a car and got home. And I had uh, TMJ for two decades after that. Like oh, headaches wow. and stuff. Um, uh, and I'm not sure why that story comes up to me when I think about Hilton Head, but I there by the grace of God go thee, right? This is like, you know, oh. I'm not I'm not sure that we should have survived. It's cool. Even with the damage that happened to our car, it was ex- extensive. Um, you just, you know, it's the luck of the draw. Uh, I know the two people ahead of us didn't make it. Um, and mm. It's just amazing, you know, and you think about all the little things in life that happen it, to you. They you know? can go by in an instant. That's amazing with no seatbelts and you survive that. Yeah, Ryan was fortunately was in the seatbelt. I was not. And that's, you know, we're talking like 92 and the laws were in effect, but I was an idiot. Um, yeah, I can tell you that I wore I've worn one ever since. Um, yeah, I've yeah. worn one ever since. And my, you know, even when my kids got in the car now, they're like, put your seatbelt on. I'm like, it's coming. Don't worry. I, I, that's not something I miss. Um, all right, sorry, didn't mean to show, end the show on a donner like that, but uh, we're here. We're here. No, golf. it's actually exciting. You're uh, playing golf. You're telling the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a so, good point. So that's, that's good. good. So you got, uh, uh, you're very busy the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're finally uh, ramping up now. So hopefully my body will hold up and uh, get to play a lot of golf coming up. So we'll be playing, I think, nine out of the next 11 weeks and pretty wow. much uh, starting to rock and roll now. And we'll have a, quite a few majors. we got uh, Birmingham's a major. Uh, we'll have uh, Southern Hills is a senior PGA. It's coming up. Uh, senior U.S. Open will be at uh, Omaha, where we played a few years ago when uh, Kenny Perry won. Mm-hmm. And we're back to Sunningdale. We're still on for the British, so we'll see what happens there. Wow. And um, you, need, you need a caddy for the British? Good. <clears throat> uh, uh, maybe. Never know. Never know. Let me tell you something. You, I just say this right here, right now. I would caddy for you in a heartbeat, and I would take the job seriously. So if you're ever in a bind, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think that's the well. You have a prerequisite that you can't be too serious. I don't like serious. Yeah. Yeah. I get too serious, and I get mad at myself for being too serious, especially nowadays. Yeah. I'm not good enough right now to <laughs> get mad. I actually reminded myself <laughs> last week. I said I'm not playing at a level that I really deserve to get mad. Right. Right now. Right. So so uh I'm working my way to get there. And not That's to get mad. I'm yeah. not trying to get mad, but <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Uh so I I, I really I, I don't expect to play right now. I haven't been able to put the time in and but when I do, my expectations will rise right. again. Sure. It's amazing. Um you mentioned that. Uh, I think we've talked about this. I mean, I was a I was an angry golfer as a youngster. Yep. And, and when my best friend said, we don't want to play with you, even though you're the best golfer in our group, but you're so angry and mad at yourself and screaming and yelling. And I'm like, I, I hurt, it hit me to my core. And it was from that day forward. I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to play this round of golf with you. We're in Arizona. I'm going to play this round of golf with you. And I'm not going to yell. And like the second shot of the round, I snap hooked one and I could feel all the heads just turn and look at me. And I, I know that my inner lip was bleeding because I was biting the <laughs> heck out of it. And I just kept walking. I turned around yeah. and I started walking towards the ball and then something miraculous happened. I'm like, huh, all right, I'm here at the ball. What's next? And it's like just uh, one of those, those aha yeah. moments. Like, all right, why do you, you know, you're not yes. a pro. You can't, you know, the expectations is, is insane that you're putting yourself. So, yeah. Um, but the invitation, I mean, not the invitation, but the offers out there, if you ever need a caddy, absolutely, I, I would do it. Just don't put a bunch of bricks in there like you and Mark did many, many years ago. Because Never do that again. My back no. can't take that. Um, no. All right, well, Blair Mize is great. That's a great get. That's awesome. Um, uh, he's just one of those, the, the kindest, 
humans on our planet. He really um, is. And, Amazing. you know, one of the guys who honors the game. And it's just, you know, it's I didn't get into it, but he shot 84, 79 at the Masters this past Masters last week. And he was quoted as saying, um, I can't go out like that. This cannot be my this can't be well, that, my last time. So he's he's coming back with a with a with a purpose. Well, I think that first day they were on a mission to pretty much embarrass the field the way they set that course up. Yeah. And and other than Justin Rose. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, he, yeah. he blew the field away with a 65 and, and there's a lot of embarrassing numbers that day. I think that's why a lot of the, uh, so-called big names missed the cut this year, yeah. which was, was pretty, uh, pretty big number of guys actually that a missed lot the cut. Of, yeah. And how, how different that course, not only did the course change because of weather and everything else, but then they set it up to be like, Oh, and amazing what Justin Rose did. And then it's also amazing at Augusta. That you can be round one, round two leader doesn't necessarily mean you'll be around at the end there because that course oh. and the pressure just turn, turns things up a little bit. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, good luck. Uh, and you let me know, folks. I'm, I'm finding out now that Fred's this busy. So you let me know your schedule and uh, we'll uh, figure out a way to, to continue this um, uh, while you're on the road or maybe before you head on the road. Uh, but you'll be on the road. You're driving into all these things. You know, from one to the other. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, just gonna hop in the car and go. I think uh, okay. after my experience getting home and had all the storms uh, that knocked out our, uh, we never left the runway for an hour and a half in uh, Naples oh, or Fort no. Myers, and I missed my connection in Atlanta and had to spend a night in Atlanta. Oh. And by the time we got to my room, it was twelve thirty at night, and I had to get up at five thirty to get the next, you know, the oh. early flight. So yeah. I didn't sleep too much, but it just. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very for all the traveling I've done. I haven't missed that many flights, right? Um, or lost luggage, not going wood. Um, so <laughs> well, now you said it. Now I said it. Now, now we're done. All right. Well, good luck next week and the following weeks. And we'll hook up for those who are listening and viewing and all that jazz. Um, and again, uh, great to have Larry Mize. Uh, what are you going to work on before this tournament? Short game, <laughs> short game, short game, short game. Okay. And I've said that my whole career, and I haven't done it, done it, done it yet. So I'll work on it. <laughs> the pros it's a lot more fun to just game. go play. Yeah, it's, no question, no question. But for those who are listening, amateurs, the, the pro is going to work on his short game. So amateurs, you do the same. It cuts strokes immensely. It really does. All right, thanks for listening. That's Terps on the tee. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.